0: welcome to Cooper talk I'm your host Steve Cooper and remember him only as hip is my guest and I have to tell you people it's uh Christmas times coming up and you know I still haven't heard uh, Santa Claus is coming to town by Springsteen. and it always signifies the beginning of Christmas is when that happens in fact last year I got tickets at the last minute to go see him in Anaheim just because I've seen him like 10 or 15 times but I've never seen that song live and it always it goes back to like God 25 years ago when I was doing stand-up comedy and I was playing at the uh, comedy cabaret in King of Prussia Pennsylvania and I'm sitting there and I just wasn't Christmasy feeling, and after the show, I think it was a Friday early show or I maybe mean, Friday late stage. So one show on Fridays, I was driving down the seventy six, which is also known as the Schuylkill Expressway, and it started to snow. And I drove by Boathouse Row, which is beautiful when it's not Christmas time, but when it's Christmas time, it's even lovelier. And I heard that song, and it made me Christmas time. So hopefully I'll hear it soon because I don't want to go on YouTube. I don't want to pull out the cassette. I have like actually I have a cassette of it to put in my car. And that's all I got to say. But enough about that. I hope you guys are gonna get into Christmas spirit. We have a wonderful show today. We have a very talented director, actor. Uh, he's all over the board. I'm looking at his IMDb. The guys, you always cry. I always love IMDb when there's like nine segments, and you're like, wait a second, okay. And when for me, I put it up front. And director is what he's doing most right now, so that comes up front. But he's got a great career. And we have uh, Richie Keen. How you doing, Richie?
1: Hey, great to be here.
0: It's uh. It's great to have you on. It's funny. I, I I don't know. It's so funny how you become friends with people on Facebook. I think we know people who know people, and then you request them, and, like, some people I don't even know who the hell they are. And, like, I, and I saw you just a random post about you doing the 30 on 30, and then I... Of course, I do it. I always do because I look for guests. I IMDB it, and I go, wow, this guy's got a nice, nice resume. And then I sent out the letter, and you were nice enough. But at the time, you were busy, and uh, and then when you first couldn't make it, you said you were very busy, and that always happens. But it's just so funny because I get guests like some of them like six months later, right. and it's always great because I'm glad you came on.
1: Oh well, I fear being uh, incredibly boring, but
0: hopefully, I'll, I'll, you'll help me entertain. I will. Now, now you're a Northwestern guy. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, is did you go for communications? I went for theater. Okay. Uh I was I was I was
1: uh an actor at the time. I mean I guess I still am an actor, I just don't really do it anymore. But yeah, I went I went for theater. But I was also like doing stand up. Yeah, you know, it was it was the the great thing about that school was you could sort of do everything regardless of what Exact department you were in.
0: Well, it's amazing. What amazes me about Northwestern is, and you know, and we all know, but I mean, and growing up back east, we knew Northwestern because one guy named Mike Reddy from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, went there. But because you you don't see him, you wouldn't see him on TV, you wouldn't hear a lot about it. But now that I'm out here, it's like you have the Michael Wilbons and the, uh, uh, mike and mike in the morning Mm -hmm. and so they're all northwestern graduates and then you started off so good in football and then the weird thing is it turns out a guy i went to college with he was a senior as a freshman is northwestern's uh soccer coach oh wow and it's just weird so so now you grew up in chicago
1: right yeah i grew up in highland park which is about a half hour north of the city uh sort of like where all the john hughes movies were filmed okay so uh whenever people say where you're from. I, I want. I say Chicago, but like then if they're from Chicago, they're like, "Oh, what part?" And I'm like Highland Park, and like, "Oh, dude, come on."
0: That happens to me because I'm the suburbs. See, have, I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and I tell people Philly because yeah. when you say New Jersey, people say, "Oh, what exit or all that crap, and I'm like, "No, no." And so I had a, me and a friend have a long thing going on, and he's like, he knew me for five years, and he finally goes, wait, you're not from Philly, and he would just send me messages yeah. of people going, you're not from Philly, you're from Cherry Hill.
1: Oh, yeah, I was just doing, I was just directing something in Chicago for a few weeks, and uh, when I got there, I had my Cubs hat on and everything, and, and then the producer said, oh, we part of town, and I told him, and every time he introduced me to someone, he'd say, this is Richie, he's not from Chicago.
0: That's funny. Yeah. So now, were you, as a kid, were you... uh gravitating toward acting or how did you end up going down this path because i mean you have you act and then i know i think you teach some acting and then yeah. you got of directing but it has to come from something as a kid did you put on plays or did you yeah. like sports or wh- i mean what because i did comedy i was never like i never made people laugh out loud but i would say jokes that yeah. people make them laugh what was, was it was it around your household acting yeah or? it
1: was I, I just you know without over intellectualizing i just i think i really just enjoyed doing the school plays and stuff like that and i was kind of a I, I was the clown in my house that made everyone laugh and uh and I and I really gravitated towards just I was just a fan of stand-up comedy. Like I was the nerd who would invite his friends over. I would have like videotaped like, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield special or the right. young comedian special or whatever it was and I, I would everyone my friends would come over and be like, You gotta see this comedian. You know, I was I was Really, really into, into stand up too. Who were
0: some of your favorites when you were watching it? I mean,
1: Paul it, Reiser, okay. you know Seinfeld. Uh, that
0: was such a great generation. And Richard yeah. Lewis was in there, and there's just Richard so Lewis, Of course, those those HBO the comedian specials. I still remember the one. I think it had like Kinnison and Roseanne Barr and oh, yeah. Dice, and it was just like that's, that's sick. One,
1: totally. I'm totally thinking of that one. Yeah. Bill Hicks was on that, and uh, yeah, like you just look at the lineup. Carol Leifer, who I ended up you know becoming friends with later on, which was like. So cool for Isn't me. Isn't that weird?
0: That happened to me because, I mean, well, we're um, I'm actually doing a bunch of... Gigs with him, but he's an I Am Comic. Jordan directed yeah. him. And we we're friends. He came to my Super Bowl party. Even just like people, it's so weird because in our business, because we're not, we're sort of, you're a director, I'm do writer, So we're sort of behind the scenes. Yeah. But everyone comes to us and it's like when they come in, they're on our turf. Like it's not like you're being yeah. an actor, but it's like, okay. And it's, isn't it? I mean, it must be crazy for you too because you're directing, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. We'll yeah, get to that, yeah. But you're directing some big names. So it just must be crazy because you're thinking when it you're is. a kid going, wow, you know, years from now, I'm going to be telling stars what to do.
1: Well, it, it's never—it's uh, I never—it's never lost on me that I get to work with these people. Like, I, and, and also because it's been such a cr- weird road for me to get to this point where people would even consider working with me. So, like, for me, uh, it, it, I never like—it's—it's it, every time I—I'm giving Danny DeVito a note or a thought, it's never lost on me like that I'm talking to Danny right. DeVito. Um, so. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty outrageous. It's pretty cool.
0: So you, you were doing the plays as a kid, and now when you chose to go to college, now did you do plays in high school also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so...
1: Yeah, I I've like play, play, played soccer and I did other stuff, but like I just kept gravitating back towards towards acting.
0: Now Northwestern is near Chicago, right? Yeah. Now did you want to stay local or did you want to go somewhere else? I mean, Northwestern, you must have had very good grades because Northwestern is a hard ass school to get into.
1: I kind of weaseled my way in because I I my freshman year I went to the University of Michigan, which is no. You know, slouch it's a big of a place hard school either. too. Yeah, but um, I, I kind of went away thinking I, I'm not going to be involved with entertainment. I'm going to study psychology. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to the best Big Ten school I get into and study psychology. And then within like two weeks, I was in a play. And um, the more I just kind of kept thinking about what I wanted to do, the more Northwestern seemed like a, a better fit for me. So I was, I would have stayed at Michigan, but I actually just decided to give a shot at transferring to Northwestern. And so I actually didn't go to Northwestern until my sophomore year. Um, and uh, and then yeah, and then from there, kind of. Well, they have a
0: very good theater department, don't they? they? A great. I've heard theater excellent, yeah, yeah, like that. And I, I didn't know uh, actually up in Chicago is it a Depaul? Yeah, Depaul has a very because they it, do. Yeah, Depaul has a very good theater department, and you don't you don't think? I guess it's the same thing. Also, you know, I always thought as a kid, I even Northwestern was sort of like an engineer school mm-hmm. because. But I, I'm 50, so it's different. You know, yeah. engineers weren't a dime a dozen. An engineer back then, you're like yeah, what? Sure. And then Depaul, we always just thought of the basketball teams, yeah, McGuire and, and, yeah, and all those old Ray Myers and all that so you go you go through your, you go four years, and it,
1: yeah I go through well, I went, three you know, years from Northwestern three. to
0: Northwestern one Michigan
1: yeah, and, and in terms of like just how good is a program or school or anything, I mean at the end of the day I, if i 've learned anything it 's just how good are the people around you because you 're only going to be as good as the people around you sort of push you to be, so the great thing about Northwestern was I felt like there were just so many talented people around me, like one of the things that someone said to me when I was thinking about transferring was. I don't know if you should go there, man, because like you're, you, you probably won't get into any of the plays because it's so competitive. And I thought, well, that's that's great. Like I should, I should go there because brings your level up, it brings my level up. And if I'm not good enough, then I probably shouldn't do that. If I can't get into a play there, maybe I shouldn't, you know, be doing this. See, so. That's such
0: a sorry, That's such a refreshing attitude, especially from living out here, because people just. A lot of people just expect crap, you know, and it's like, and it's good to sit there and go, "Hey, I got to bring my game up." That's what I always did when I did stand up. If a comic went on before me and smoked me, I said, "You know what? I got to bring my game up yeah. else. this guy's gonna be, I'm gonna be get down to MC, yeah. and, and that's what that's good you did that.
1: Well, it's it's funny because that actually has played into like sort of my directing and writing career because when I when I was first starting that. And you know, no one had any reason to even consider hiring me. You know, I had to just make my own stuff. I had to just generate my own material for a while. And when I suddenly had opportunities to work, you know, on other people's projects, I had friends say, "But isn't that weird? Like, they probably want you to do what they want you to do, you know?" And and you're not. And I and I sort of said, "No, it's amazing. There are people who who are better than me, and I get to work with them. And now I get to I get to bring what I have to it, but I also get to you know learn from people who I." I think, are funnier than me, which is amazing. So yeah. I don't have a, you know, it kind of helps me. I don't ever really get an ego about any of it because I'm always psyched
0: to hear what someone else See, that's why for thinks. me, for this show, I go, I'm only as good as my guest, and it puts it all on you guys. Yeah. I said, you know, I can just run through. No. But, yeah. uh So you You, grad, no, you graduate from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Now, do you go for your master's, or, do you, or what do you do when you get out? Do you stay no, in Chicago, have, or where do you go?
1: Got in my white Pontiac Sunfire. Just smoking sexy car and i drove to la
0: had you ever been here before
1: i had i came out what i did was i, I did an internship the summer before like going into my senior year i did a a couple internships out here and, and i that's two years earlier i had done an internship at conan o'brien it was like his first summer on the air and that's when i started i, I did a couple open mics in new york i figured i can try stand up no one will if i bomb no one will ever see me ever again you know so this is a safe place to try it you know, then I went back to Northwestern, started doing stand-up there in, in, in the city. And then so I came out to L.A. Um, the summer before I, I graduated and started doing, you know, really kind of doing any stage time I could do. And um, so when I moved out here, you know, I, I, it wasn't entirely foreign. I mean, I really only knew a couple of people, but, um, but uh, hit the ground running.
0: So you get out here, and it's always it's scary when people come out here because a lot of times people don't know what the hell's going on, and you always see like especially back then it's not as much now because now you can Yelp stuff and you can check stuff out mm-hmm. But back then when I first went, oh moved it's up, crazy! The, the, you see these the internet papers. wasn't, yeah, yeah the internet yeah. was on, and you see like the backstage, and it's sure. like come you know management, and you're thinking oh I can get a manager, and you don't know you're not supposed to pay for. It. I mean I know yeah. people like well yeah, I'm, I'm, I said well what is that? Man-? I, I would love when I would meet people and we like, were like waiting tables to plan on Hollywood, and I was, and yeah. I was sitting there I'm going I had an agent, and I'm like. They go, I have a manager. And I go, well, why do you have a manager? And they go, well, you know, and I go, well, if you have a manager and then you get an agent, right away you're given 25%. Right. It's different if you're a star, but you're waiting tables. So, right. luck, that manager, get that manager to get you an agent and to fire the manager. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but there's no, back then, there was no syllabus of what to do. You sure. know, I mean, we, you know, you come out and especially you're coming from a school and the difference between you and me is you know you had talent. I mean, I did comedy, but you, are trained and so it must be harder because you sit there and go you're like i'm trained i have i and but i don't know what the hell to do sometimes
1: yeah yeah well i i i no i mean no i didn't i i didn't i was just as clueless and nervous as probably anyone else uh just because i had studied theater didn't mean i was gonna get you know a sitcom or something but i i was really lucky in that i did that open mic at the Laugh Factory where you wait in line for, for like six that. in the morning and you know you're waiting there all day and and you're just you know you're hoping the owner's there and then after the open mic he talks to you and I I, I got up on stage and as much as you can kill at a, at a, in a three minute four minute set I, I I had a great set I mean I actually have it on like tape recorder uh, I have to find it but I just I, it, was, it brings me such joy to remember like I was so nervous it was like this big comedy club and then the owner, Jamie Masada, afterwards said he wanted to manage me. He's like, I, I loved your set. I wanna I I didn't know what to manage. I didn't know right. anything. So like I I said, he you know, great. You know, and so he started putting me on stage at the Laugh Factory and um, you know, I learned so many amazing lessons there. And the thing is I never really wanted to be I never wanted to go I was it wasn't I love stand up and I love doing it, but I never really saw myself as like a guy who was gonna go on the road. And I really did fancy myself an actor and I thought stand-up is something I'd love to do on the side and maybe that would help people uh, see me because, you, know, um, you know, at the time, there wasn't like – people weren't making shorts and putting them up online couldn't because it's you know? so funny.
0: It's, it's like back then I knew guys, comics, who would go to the University of Temple and go to film school. Well, they're 10 minutes short. They had to raise like ten fifteen thousand dollars 15000 for it. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is 1996, 1997. I mean, it's not – it's really interesting how much things have changed. So – um, so yeah, so I I kinda just I I I loved the stand up scene but I also could feel myself like not willing to totally dive in hundred percent because I felt like to do that I really had to just hit the road, work on my material, and I felt like that's gonna take me away from from acting. So um so uh, I I kinda transitioned from stand up more into just focusing on acting at that point.
0: Now were you did you go out for commercials and stuff like that?
1: I listen, if I it never occurred to me that being an average looking guy in his mid 20s was like a bullseye for tele, for commercials. Like I thought man, I'm not good looking enough. There's no one's ever going to hire me to be on TV. And then uh the commercial world was just so generous to me. I mean, I I probably I'd really have to think about it, but in my time, I probably did something like fifty commercials. I mean, it's what just, were some
0: of the bigger ones?
1: Well, I was the, the first big thing I did that I'll never live down with with my friends and family was um, when ESPN.
0: I was going to ask you no because I saw it oh, said so Netboy. Yeah. And I, and I, said there, like, I know I'm like because I know on a curb and I'm like who the hell's Netboy? Okay. I,
1: Here's what this was, and by the way, this really ages me because in, hey, so in yeah you're younger than me, so be quiet. In 1998, when ESPN was launching their first website and they were launching this new thing called fantasy sports. Uh, they made a series, we did about a dozen commercials and it was basically celebrity athletes coming into Netboy's office and I was like this guy sort of internet geek and I would explain to them how to do it, do the um, you know, do the website and do fantasy sports and stuff like that. It was the same it came out at the same time as the campaign called The Rick with Michael Mado. Remember The Rick? Yeah. So, you know, that was that, you know, that that was sort of around the era and so that was the I, you know that was the first big campaign i did and it's funny because you know when you do like promos for a place like ESPN you don't get paid a lot and and i you know i remember my agent saying to me like are you sure you want to do it it's not that much money i was like of course i want to do it but what they didn't think of and what i didn't think of is like every dude in town watches ESPN <laughs> yeah. so like it actually gave me so much exposure in the business like it it was such a break for me and and really helped me you know Land sort of my first uh, big agent and big manager and um, and so that was the first campaign and honestly
0: I, there's I, tons of them
1: there's, there's there's a ton I was so lucky really I mean um, you know I, people that that was a really great way for me to make a living. While I was pursuing, you know, the pilots and the and the recurring and guest star things on on television.
0: Now, were you getting pilots? Or did you get a few pilots? Or yeah, get... yeah.
1: It took it took a few years, and then um, I got. It's funny. The first pilot I did in 2000 was supposed to be. So this is pre CW. There was UPN and WB. UPN was going to do their first half hour pilot with a comedian named Freddie Soto. Another name. And. Um, And it was Mike Ovitz's company's first big pilot. It it had all this like stuff around it and a big writer and big director. (laughs) And I got cast to play uh, Freddie's best friend. And it was like, for me, this was like, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe anyone would have me as a series regular uh, on their, on their show and, uh you know the show didn't move forward and then uh so but i got to make the pilot which is a big step for me and then the next year i did one for NBC, and that was a big deal for me and you know i ended up doing i think you know maybe four if i think about it i might have there was one one other one i think i did a recurring on um but like i would do these pilots and they wouldn't go like i get really close
0: that must be so frustrating because you know i mean it it, i think it's a two-way street one it's Proving to you that you have the talent and people want you. I mean, yeah. that's you know, and I've talked to a lot of actors and comics who've come in here and they just say you know sometimes you know they are on a pilot and then they get on a show and you think it's a hit like Susie Nakamura was on that show with uh, Matthew Perry that came mm-hmm. out on NBC, great cast, great ratings, sure. then it disappears. Yeah, and then, sure. but for the pilot, it must be especially because you're younger. You're like, oh yeah, you know you have that that glimmer. <sighs> yeah, and of it's course. just course. But so many people just leave then. at least you stuck around
1: yeah you know i i well in that in terms of that i always anytime anyone ever said to me like what's your backup plan or how many years you've given yourself i was like i'm on a suicide mission this is it i'm not going anywhere right. you know um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna and, and look I, in some ways that's how i ended up doing what i'm doing now i just would transition into other things if i didn't feel like it was i mean acting was something where I, I had a rare... I was the rare middle-class income actor. I was not... I was not... You know, luckily, I wasn't waiting tables very long. Um, I When I first came out here, I was selling tickets at the comedy store. But because of commercials, I was able to just really pursue acting for, you know, 10 years. Um, uh, but I also wasn't... I had friends who were famous and who were... Whose shows... Whose pilots did get picked up and did go to series. And so I I probably could have kept doing it. I think I just... I loved acting. I didn't love being an actor. It was like, it just it just was too, it was, it was like a great way to spend my 20s. And then I was like, God, man, this is, I don't know, this is no way to make a living. So
0: you were doing it, you were doing the commercials. Now, were you, were you getting some recurrings then too? Were you getting some spots on TV shows or, or not a lot? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I did, you know, I did, I did Boston Legal. I was on Reno 911. I, listen, if you IMDb me, it is a, I think, a respect, a respectful, Long list of shows you've probably never heard of. I mean, it was like it was like a gra- it's like a graveyard of sitcoms. I was on um, Method Man and Red Man show on Fox called Method and Red. I played their lawyer. I mean, there, there's just a bunch. You know, there's a bunch of shows that I was I was you know lucky enough to do, but um, n- nothing. And it's funny because I. I I, because of all these random things, like those shows, the commercials, I would do those like E and VH1 Talking Head shows because okay. I was sort of a comic and sort of a an actor.
0: You know what's weird about them? It's so funny because now looking back. I didn't know some people like Brian Husky was on a few weeks ago, and he would be on because he was in UCB. And I was yeah. like, like, I'm like, "Who's that?" But what cracks me up is now I watch like they because they repeat him all the time, and there's just so many comics that I've never heard of. And I think, I mean, there's some that, it's, like it's, the it's, Greg Wilson has gone on, and you know these people. But there's people I'm like, I don't think they're doing comedy anymore. I was
1: almost embarrassed to do it because it was like, who cares what I think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm going to sit here and make fun of something. Like it, 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 so, but but because of all those things, in a weird way, like. I have my friends say I'm vaguely familiar like whenever people meet me they're like oh, I think we've met before and well, you do have that look. It's you, like I'm vaguely familiar. I you, you can do a little, but you can
0: also, like, the guy, uh, he's older, but Greg Germain, the uh-huh. actor, you look a little like him from, you know who he is? Yeah, sure. It's A little bit like him. You, you have that kind of look. It's like yeah. me. It's like with bald and a little cross-eyed and glasses. Yeah. But there's certain things where, like, the, we're like a unique generic. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing. But, yeah, you have that. When you yeah. look at you, you have that look, and you look familiar. And you probably did get that a lot. Like, wait, wait, I know this. Especially I, when you, you were doing Net Boy and all this is that. This not like, a joke. Is, I,
1: was, I was on vacation uh, in Hawaii uh, a few weeks ago. I'm doing a zipline course. I'm on, I'm on some remote island of Hawaii. And the guy looks at me, he's like, are you an actor? And I thought, I haven't acted. I mean, I can't, what does this guy remember having seen me at? It was the most bizarre thing. So, yeah, I uh, I have that sort of, I guess, like I said, vaguely
0: familiar look. So you were doing the recurrings and stuff like that in the commercials. Mm-hmm. Now, when now, and I read that you do teach acting, or you did teach acting. Yeah. When did you make that transition? Um, is Was this something that you fell into because a lot of times people fall into this not fall into stuff but it's like out of nowhere someone goes hey man can you you know coach you then someone goes hey that guy's really good and then it 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 bundled yeah how do you get into that what happened
1: with me is my so my acting teacher who's uh, an amazing uh teacher and coach named leslie Kahn, she had just sort of I think she had started teaching acting a few years earlier, or coaching acting a few years earlier. And now, what's the
0: difference between teaching and coaching? The
1: coaching is one-on-one, and teaching is a class, okay. basically. And um, you know, so you go in for one-on-one audition classes, uh, you know, audition coaching and stuff. And her, she was so great that her business started to boom, and she suddenly had all the, this clientele. And she said to me, "I would you want to do you want to be an acting coach? Do you want to come work with me?" And I, I, I was like, it was like I think. Must have been twenty-seven. I was like, "Who's going to come pay to coach with a guy like that?" When you IMDb, you're like, "Oh, he's only done failed stuff." And and uh, but to make a long story short, eventually she sort she sort. I think one day she said, "Hey, I, I got to run out. I have something's going on, and can you can you help me on this particular day?" And I did, and I really enjoyed it. And and I actually had some actors come in who I know and respect, and I thought, "Oh, I think I actually just helped them." So I started just coaching actors one on one through her school and ultimately uh start teaching some classes and I think that's really when I started thinking about directing um it what the idea wasn't like I'm gonna quit acting and become a director i didn't even i don't think I even thought that was a possibility. I think I just started to realize you know I as an actor had worked with so many different kinds of directors that um some directors are really visual some direct- you know and and i thought oh i I think I work with actors as as good as most of these directors I've worked with, so maybe that's something I should consider.
0: And it must have been something because you did so many commercials that you did you did see I mean a tons of different styles. I mean, yeah. you, you see everything and I think that you know enhances you and I think as an actor, you probably said, well, I don't like this guy. I like this guy. Yeah, this guy's okay. but if I mixed like these two guys, I mean, did you do did you do a lot of that when you?
1: yeah, of course. and you know, even you know you mentioned Jordan Brady, I mean he could tell you I he he was so great. He cast me in a movie he did called the Third Wheel. And with, it had all these amazing people in it. I mean, it's like Melissa McCarthy and 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 uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and and Luke Wilson and and it was. I I I had a bunch of stuff with Jeff Garland and and um, Nicole Sullivan and it was really an amazing experience. And but he can tell you, like I used to just ask if I could sit in Video Village and watch. Like I was really just interested in how um, he made he made the movie. And so yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I when I finally had the opportunity to to direct. Um. Yeah, it was sort of like through osmosis. Had learned sort of things I liked and things I didn't
0: like. Now, when you were in, when you were at Northwestern, did you ever take any directing classes? No. Did They say as because I, I would think just I don't I've never gone to acting school, but I would think I think it's probably changed. But I think every college it teaches acting. I think they should. One, you just have to take a class called the business in acting. Sure, because of that's so important. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's like I mean, I have a business degree, but business degree. I mean, that's. It's basic common. I mean, no one I know, but in the economics or macroeconomics, right. no one does that. I think that, and I think they should do directing because I think that way, I think an actor can really see the other side. I mean, yeah, and vice
1: versa. I think every director should have taken acting class. So you know, I, I think both those. No, I, I never took a film class. I'm embarrassed to say. I mean, when I when I started, I I was like a cinephile, so I knew like sort of the cinematography of what I wanted, and I knew the way I wanted the. I, I knew a lot about blocking, and I knew how I wanted. Uh, the performances to be. I, what I didn't know was anything about lighting, lenses. I, you know, all the, all the technical stuff is what I had to catch up on. And especially when you're making your own stuff, you know, you're relying on other people. You really have to learn quickly. You know, what each camera can. You know, cameras became like film stock because I never film was gone. I mean, it was like, oh, if I want it to look like this, I should use this camera, and if I want it to look like this, I should use this camera. And so, I had to learn really quickly to just a lot of the technical stuff. I had to catch up on that.
0: So. Okay, you're, you're teaching the acting, mm-hmm. and then you have to do any commercials, and you're finding that rewarding, but it seems like, you know, I think you were a little tired of acting. But you were teaching everything, Well, there, the acting, there,
1: was, there was a year that I was I was teaching, and then I actually did two pilots, which which sounds like a brag, but it actually wasn't, because I did a pilot for NBC that Sean Hayes produced that was a blast, and then I did a- rec- would have been a recurring on a David Kelly thing, on a drama, and neither went, and I thought- you know what? I, I got to make something. Just just for my... I got to just go make something. Um, I'm just sick of my fate being in other people's hands. Okay. And, and it wasn't... The, the move wasn't like, I'm, I'm quitting acting and I'm going to start... I, I didn't even... Like I said, I just didn't know how that would happen in, in a business sense. But I called a buddy of mine, Heath, uh, who I went to Northwestern with and said, hey, I want to write something and, and, and shoot it. And let's let's sit down. And we, we had ridden together at Northwestern and we wrote up like a 20-page sort of short film slash pilot um, and then I went off and made it, and uh, kind of was inspired by the guys who created "It's Always Sunny" because they had shot their own thing, and uh, so I made this thing called "Hooked," and I, uh, it, you know, it was about a, it was about a guy who wins two tickets to the Academy Awards and he's gonna get to sit next, next to Steven Spielberg as idol and. All the people in his office want to come and be come with him, and then suddenly celebrities start showing up and they want to sit with him because he's gonna be next Spielberg. And, um, and I used, you know, all the connections I had from being an acting, uh, coach and teacher to, to get people to show Who up. Who
0: were some of the people that,
1: uh, Gosh, it was um, Zach Braff and okay. Rebecca Romaine. Okay, yeah, and David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer. Okay.
0: So you really pulled out. Jeff you, but,
1: Garland came And in. you
0: got good names, though. Uh, that's what, that's what makes Savage. it so legit. You yeah. know, it's like you sit there and go, anyone can do a you – know, like someone like might walk through. But here you're like, holy crap. And, and then oh, yeah. if I was an industry guy, I'd go, holy crap, this guy knew a – I mean, they're, they're A-listers. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are a or Some are bass, some are A. But I'd be like, wow, it's not like – he doesn't have Lorenzo Lamas or yeah. whatever coming on, you know.
1: Yeah, like you know, I'm really proud of it. In hindsight, I, I mean, I, I knew I was using that trick to get people to watch it and to think, "Oh, Richie knows people," and, and is at least it sort of to legitimize me. And 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 you know, th- there's different ways to approach having your sort of calling card film. That was just, I kind of felt like, look, I do have access to these people. I couldn't get them to actually, I knew I could only get these people to show up for like an hour or two. Okay. So I couldn't, like, I would have loved to have just ridden the short without celebrities and have the celebrities play the the roles. But I knew the way to go would be, if I had an hour with these people, you know, if I can say to Rebecca Romain, can you just come by for an hour, Um, that... They'd have to play themselves. So I made this thing. I, re- I rented the silent movie theater on Fairfax.
0: I remember that before it was. I remember it used to be like because uh, I moved out here. God, I don't know how long ago, but it used to be like it was like a two dollar house, and it was like so back then. I think they did stuff inside because it was just like back then. It was like oh, it was crappy. Like you, you st- you touch your hand. You, uh, uh-huh. Right, you, right. You walk out and you feel dirty. Yeah. It's like, I want to go home and take a shower. Well,
1: now it's class. That's a silent movie. It's, great. On, it's classy. But uh, I rented that place. I invited everyone I knew in town, which consisted mostly of assistants. And, you know, but some really great people showed up for me. I showed it. And it was one of those things where, like, a couple of people said, Hey, can I get a DVD of that? Show my boss. And we had just gotten into the Aspen Comedy Festival as well. And to make a long story short, you know, sort of it got you know someone passed it to someone who passed it to someone and i ended up getting a deal with uh a, a division of 20th uh century fox called fox 21 and they gave me a deal and and uh heath who i wrote it with to write a script and then uh the network jumped on board and it seemed like uh oh my gosh like i i made this thing and
0: isn't it crazy you go from you know you i mean basically you, you loved acting because you went to school for it and you were you, i'm sure you enjoyed teaching acting because i think it's very rewarding yeah but isn't it amazing? You sit there and, and you leave, and all of a sudden you're like, "Holy crap! Wait a second! I should have done this from the get go." It's like because it's like it seemed like it just happened like that, yeah. And you hadn't really directed anything; no. you just coached. So, I mean,
1: but also, I'll tell you, I would I would not be the, the, who, the director I am if I hadn't acted all those years and okay. taught all those years, and also. You know, I did get this deal, and and we we did get to write the script, but then it didn't go. And so suddenly I was like, oh man, I think that's it. You know, I had so many experiences in that, as an actor where it seemed like the show was so close. Be a, you're like, oh yeah, you're the
0: pilots, and then finally you get this one, you get away from that. Going, same thing. I'm tired of this crap. Same I'm thing. going to move on. And then you go, okay, wow, this is, and it, the same thing happens. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's, it shows you're resilient, and you were going to keep it. So, were you did you feel dejected? Were you frustrated? I mean, what
1: happened? Uh, I mean, no, I was sort of determined to keep on the path. I sort of saw it as I made, I made something. I was rewarded. People liked it enough that they wanted to give me a shot. And so I was like, you know what? I need to really learn what I'm doing. And, and, and I just kind of went to work at making and shooting anything I could, could get my hands on.
0: Now the product that the one the the one you did after hook the mm-hmm. deal in your eyes, when you're looking back at it, was that a really strong project? Or now when you look back at it, you, if you think maybe if I did it now, it would be even stronger.
1: Uh, I definitely think it'd be stronger if I did it now, but I actually think it was a pretty good script. What was it about? It was about an, it was it was very similar to the short so Hooked was an office place comedy about a kid who worked in an accounting firm and and then you know his life got kind of upended and crazy and we sort of took a lot of the same characters and we put them in a newspaper and it was about a a kid who was the son of a famous uh journalist who kind of wanted to go off on his own and make his own name and he went to work for uh, a newspaper that was kind of tabloidy, but he was trying to bring legitimate news to it. And and it was just, you know, it was just big fun, a really fun character. And you and, co-wrote it? I co-wrote it. And, and then I, you directed it? I would have directed it, but it didn't go. Okay. So, okay. So, so I didn't get the chance to, you know, we, we, we came really close. And um, so for me, it was like, okay, I got a chance. I got paid to, you know, to write this thing and made back my investment on the, sh- on the short I made on the pilot I shot myself on Hooked and so now i was like you know what i i mean i i did an 800 hundred dollar music video i did you know and, and again funnier die j- launched i think right at this time like it, there was no funnier die when i made hooked in 2006 so then i started tapping into that thing and i made a i made a viral i made a short called tom cruise is a cock block and it got a million hits and suddenly i was like okay I've got another win here and
0: now how did you find out how did you get to the music video how did people find you did you know someone in a band or? yeah I
1: just asked people I, I, I knew people who managed people in a band and I said do they need a music video and they're like what do you know about making a music video and I said look I, can, I, can, I, I had a friend who had a camera and, and I, I was willing to I mean I, I lost money directing I was putting my own money into stuff and I begged borrowed and steel, uh and and uh, made a, a presentation a couple comedian friends of mine were were, were making and I mean really anything I can get my hands on and um, actually one of the, the one of the presentations that I made ended up being seen again a, a year and a half later at Fox and they called me up and they said how much did you make this for we and I said what do you think I made it for and they they said a number that was had an extra zero on it and I said no no I made it for this and they couldn't believe it. and they said all right you know what Let's not do, let's not do a script deal like last time. Let's make something. Okay, we're gonna give you like three hundred grand. Go make a, Go make a low budget pilot. Okay, so
0: this this was during this was after you had you know been been doing the videos mm-hmm. and just really learning probably like learning your craft and yeah, yeah. small video like like when you say some of the small were they like ten minute shorts or what were they?
1: Well, like that Tom Cruise thing that was uh, that I put up on Funny or Die and a few other sites. I mean that that was like a four minute. Thing about you know two guys who can't get Tom Cruise to leave their party at the end of the night, and we just had this insane Tom Cruise impersonator. And it it you know that was a really fun thing. I did I did a uh, I did this presentation. Yeah, I did I did a couple music videos. One music video I did had a decent budget, but yeah, I was just kind of anything I can get my hands on to teach myself about lighting and camera work and what you know. I didn't know what my style was. You know, I didn't know I didn't even know exactly what I what I liked and gravitated towards. Um, so it was great because yeah, I did hooked was two thousand six, and then this next opportunity at Fox was two thousand and eight. And between in those two years, I really worked hard uh, to. I, I, I shadowed a few directors. I shadowed um, a director on Scrubs. I shadowed a director on Desperate Housewives, and really just started learning about how you actually do this. And in that, and you know, I kind of was just putting myself through film school in those two years. And so when I had the opportunity now to make something like a low budget pilot at Fox. I actually felt like at that point I was like, okay, I I do know what I'm doing here. I know now, did I, you have to write it? Yeah, I wrote it with Heath again, okay. my my partner, and it was a really fun show. It basically was an about it was about an abandonment support group, and in the opening scene, the therapist shoots himself in the head and abandons his support group, and it's sort of, sort of like this, almost like like on Community, this really wacky group of characters that are thrust together, and we shot it. I shot it. I directed it and um that's what sort of that became a a good break for me because i think then around town sort of agencies and people started going oh this guy is a self-starter he's getting deals i didn't have an agent okay i mean you know here i've gotten two television deals i didn't have you know i I didn't have a i had a uh, an agent for acting but um so suddenly i started getting those calls from people in the business saying hey we'd love to sit down with you and you know and, that must have been exciting oh my god are you kidding me it was it was i couldn't believe you know to get a call from a, a big agency uh i i just couldn't believe it was
0: it a little nerve-wracking too or was it just like you're like you know what they called me you know it's like it's one of those things even though they call you it's still like wow i'm meeting with this agency
1: i think it was just always brace for it not to happen okay. i mean i you know after 10 or 12 years with the acting stuff and then you know the de- the first deal at fox and i just was sort of like i'm gonna enjoy this moment people seem to you know no one was like clamoring for me but i think you know i was like yeah people are calling i'm having coming calls and i'm gonna enjoy it and see where it goes and that's really that's really when i started transitioning i was sort of like nah i'm not really gonna act anymore i'm really gonna focus on this you know and um and it's you know been uh a really interesting ride ever since
0: well after after that the low budget pilot for Mm -hmm. fox Mm -hmm. okay i know i know on your resume you end up Doing uh, directing for uh, Important Things with Dimitri. Yeah, Martin. that was a huge break for me. Now, was that your... After doing this pilot, it didn't get picked up, I'm, I'm right. assuming. So, then, right. so where do you go from there? Once again, it's probably the frustration again because you
1: once know what? again, they're this showing this the confidence
0: one... in you, but it must be like... And you're, you've written... I mean, not everyone can sit there and go, hey, Fox gave me money to write and direct. I mean, yeah. that's one... You're right there. You're in the one, what, one, one, one-tenth? I yeah. mean, like, one, one-hundred? I mean, it doesn't happen. So uh, once again, it must have been... Frustrating, but encouraging.
1: I w- at this point, I actually was mostly just encouraged because I felt like now now I had this great agency behind me and now I had a couple of pieces of work. You know, I had all the shorts and the music videos and hooked, but now I also had something, you know, it wasn't a full-on pilot, but it really did show, you know, a, a good, a, a pretty good narrative. And so I was pretty encouraged at that point and I felt like I had a lot of ideas for things I wanted to try and sell and write. And so I was kind of like, full speed ahead, let's let's go. And Dimitri... I knew socially and was just, he just moved his show, he he did a season in New York, he just moved his show to LA, it was nice enough to bring me in to interview with his executive producers and and, and him, and um, he said, you know, he said, you want to do a couple sketches, you want to direct a couple sketches, which was like, I couldn't believe it, I'm going to get to direct something that's on a legitimate television show. And I went to direct uh, the first couple weeks that his show is up and running. I went to direct, and then he just kept me. He kept me for the whole run. And that was like just... Such a huge break for me.
0: Now, were you the only director, or did they bring in di- different directors for different sketches? How did that work?
1: They brought in, I believe, The o- I think the only other director, I think Bobcat Goldthwaite did a few weeks on the show. But the rest was just you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there was a different director who did the in studio. Like, he had, you know, I'd say maybe a third or half of the show was sort of like in studio on stage. And then it was like Chappelle's show. And then right, okay. a, a half to two thirds of the show was, was was sketches. And we were really trying to do like short films. Like, we were trying to actually make them. A little bit more. Uh, we wanted them to, to feel a little more cinematic, and and that was just like grad school for me because I, I was doing every genre. I was sci-fi, westerns, uh, office com. I mean, every everything you could think of. Dimitri and his team had dreamt up these great, amazing sketches and short films. So I got to basically play and and try commercial spoofs, everything. You know, so that opportunity was just huge for me, and I'm like forever grateful. To Dimitri for giving me that chance because he he didn't need to keep me around he could he had he could have had any number of people direct that show.
0: So you learned a lot. The show gets canceled. Yeah. And now where do you go? Because are you, are you, uh, now you have you have a, you had a good resume, but now there's more legitimacy because you've been on you past the pilots. Yeah. You know, but now it's like okay, we have a chunk of work, so people can say. Okay, this guy has this this, and now yeah. a show that ran for over a year or two or whatever. It yeah,
1: ran. yeah. I, I mean, it, look, it, it, it was a huge deal for me, and it was a great selling point. It was hard to break into the half hour world because I was sort of a sketch guy. You know, like in anything you do, they you know you get sort of pigeonholed. Right. You're you're a comedy guy. You can't do drama. You're a,
0: even commercials when you act. You're the course. commercial guy. You're, you're, yeah, of you're course. You're net boy. You yeah. know, it's like you get into that thing.
1: So, it, for me, the next step was I sold the pilot with a couple other writers. Um, uh, ben and Dan Newmark, to Spike. That was lo- Spike was looking to do half-hour television. We sold a script to them, and they did the same thing Fox did. They said, we'll give you money to make a, a low-budget pilot. So I made an- another one of those that I'm really, really proud of. What was that called? Kings by Night. It was about uh, kind of like three goofball losers who work crappy jobs, and then they start an underground casino, and they're loft at night, and they kind sort of get sort of like entourage at night, and by day they're kind of like these you know,
0: doofuses. Yeah. And now do you, when you, when they would give you the money and you know, you're going to direct it, you're going to write it with whoever. Now do you also cast or would they come and say, we yeah. want these people in our, I mean, how would that work?
1: No, it's, it, we cast because the truth is at those budget points, you can't really get the people okay. the network would necessarily want. So you have to really make you, you have to use your favors and really make discoveries because you can't pay. I can't pay them at that point. Right. Okay. I, what I can say is if this goes to series, you're going to get your full fee and, and so, you know, we got some amazing actors to be in both of those projects that were sort of gambling on us, saying, look, if this goes to series, you'll get your, you'll get your fee. But on, on this presentation, you're not going to make a lot of money. Um, so I did that. And then I did uh, my first half hour called Traffic Light for Fox with uh, uh, Bob Fisher and Dave Hemmingson, Bob, who wrote... Wedding Crashers and Dave, who went on to do Apartment Twenty Three, and they, they were so great. They gave me uh, an opportunity, you know, to get my first half hour, which was a huge deal for me. Yeah. So,
0: did they know you? How did they know you? Because, well, the pilot you did for Spike didn't yeah, get picked
1: up. Didn't go because Spike actually ended up no. not going to half hour. Right. Um, a million but, ways to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I had met a line producer on Modern Family, uh, who's who's also, I think, now an executive producer on Modern Family, a guy named Jeff Morden, who. Uh, I had had a meeting with, and then he brought me over to Traffic Light, and, and you know, they—I think they—they they decided to give me a shot, and um, uh, it was really green, and they were really great. What's cool is I actually just I, this I just did a show for USA called Sirens that Dennis Leary wrote with Bob Fisher and Bob, who had hired me on Traffic Light. I got to kind of circle back around now years later and work with them again. And I, That's and I was, cool. it was really, really, I was so excited about that.
0: So you, you, um, you did, you did, you did traffic light.
1: Did traffic light. And then the next year things got, I, I was more focused on writing. I wrote um, uh, with Heath again. I wrote um, a project called aim high uh, for Warner brothers that became a digital series. And we actually won a writer's guild award for, which uh, was a really uh, bizarre, <laughs> uh moment that I couldn't believe we won And we basically wrote this thing thinking no one ever want it because it was really dark and weird and then uh became a really great thing on the internet and um I was more focused on writing and then I tried to the next season I sort of was like all right let's get back into directing and it was really tough I there were a lot of people who were like you know we really like Richie but he just hasn't done that much um and I was like oh man maybe I maybe maybe that was it like maybe I don't know and I went and did. Uh, I kind of worked on another sketch comedy show that kind of came and went for Fox, and then It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia came along. And God bless those guys. They 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 gave me half uh, half a season of episodes to direct.
0: Now, how'd you get? How'd you meet them? Now, what year is this? No, because it, it's. I just wonder. Yeah. It says Blake Shelton's not so funny. Yeah, like yeah that, so, I
1: did, uh, that I did. That uh, I did after that. But um, the the sunny thing. Uh, so. Season 9 just aired. Season 10 is about to start up again in a few months. I started on Season 8. So two years ago, uh, I knew Glenn Howard and socially through my friend Topher Grace. Uh, God bless him for introducing me to Glenn. And then Glenn, I think, had seen some stuff I did uh, with Topher on Funny or Die. Uh, And then I think he had seen stuff I did on Dimitri's show that he really liked. and. They had us. They basically they have two directors a season. Each one does half the season, and um, someone fell out. You know, I mean, I don't think there was ever going to be an opportunity for me to direct that show because they don't give you one episode. They give you they give the director five. Right. So um, because they you know we block shoot half a season at a time.
0: Now how does that work? Because I I, the the opening credits they shoot that in Philly.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's long been done. But then
0: it's all like even like the, the bar, the outside of the bar. Is that on a set or is that actually in Philly? Uh,
1: so what we do is we do half, we do two weeks uh, for five episodes. We do two weeks on stage, we do two weeks on location in L.A. to look like Philly, and then we do a week in Philly. Okay. Uh, at the end of the season to sort of sprinkle in.
0: Because I guess know. the guy who, who plays Mac owns a bar in Philly. He
1: now. does, Rob. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, the crazy thing is I was in Philadelphia uh, last summer with Rob or with everyone shooting and Rob took me on a tour. He was like, "Hey, let's walk around. I'll, I'll show you a bunch of different places." And we walked past the real Paddy's Pub, the inspiration for the real bar. And someone who was clearly a huge fan of it's always sunny in Philadelphia was taking a picture in front of it as Rob's walking by, and he was like, I could, could tell he was like, "Wait, do you really hang out in this bar in Philadelphia? I thought it was like on a set." You know, it was it was the funniest thing. But uh yeah, no, it's mostly LA to look like Philly, Philly, and then we, you know, we sprinkle in some real Philly. But those guys, you know, I knew Glenn, and they brought me in for an interview, and I didn't think in a million years they would hire me. And and I, I I'll, it, that is, that is the, the, you know, those guys, I'm, they gave me a break that will. I will always be grateful for and absolutely changed my my career and my life because so you of did, it.
0: Yeah, you did five episodes.
1: did Five right away,
0: and then I know I see you did uh, how uh, how to live with your parents.
1: You did how to live with your parents, and then I did the like Shelton thing. Well, you know
0: what sucks? How to live with your parents is really funny, and yeah, it was and Cla- great. Claudia's father was on Mark Lano and uh, Jonathan Schmuck. Yeah, was on. And sure, great. Such such, and it's like I watched it, and such an amazing cast. I, mean,
1: I was rooting for it. How was
0: how was like that for you for work? We did one episode, but that's such like a. A pretty big cat. I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's a hard hitting cat. It
1: it was. Uh, You know, I luckily, I think I've never been as intimidated as I would maybe ever be again walking on the set of It's Always Sunny, only because it was my favorite show. So for me, it was like if you're a huge basketball fan and they're like, "Hey, you want to come coach the Lakers for a year?" I mean, I I was so intimidated going into that experience that once I got out of that, um, I felt more like I had my uh what do they say your sea legs like when i so when i went to um how to live with your parents for the rest of your life i i was nervous i mean i was like yeah it's sarah chalk and brad garrett and elizabeth perkins and i mean it's it's just it is it's a hard-hitting cast and 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 it's a big network show and i and and i was doing the finale which was also an added sort of sense of responsibility but i they were just all so great i mean the people you jonathan and claudia and and the cast was just so wonderful that um was, honestly, they made it easy for me. I had a really, really amazing experience and I was really rooting for them to to keep going.
0: So you're doing you're doing the, the sitcoms and then I know saw you did Franklin and Bash.
1: Yeah, I did Franklin and now, Bash. No
0: now that's an hour. No, yeah, I know I hour. know it's it is sort of like a longer sitcom. I mean and it's a very good show. Yeah. I actually enjoy it. Now was that a new experience for you? Because you I mean that's yeah. a longer chunk and I'm sure yeah. it's it's not in front of a well so I No, I haven't
1: of, I've actually never done a studio audience show. Okay. yeah you're right. Uh, I've ones. never done a multi cam, they're all single cams. Uh, I, I I think I'd like to, though, because um, that's actually the world I came out of. So I'd like to get into Multicam. But, yeah, Franklin and Bash came along. A friend of mine, a, a director who I really admire named Jason Ensler, who had directed the pilot for Franklin and Bash in a lot of episodes after. And he's just a, a director I really looked up to and, and do look up to. I think he's just fantastic. He recommended me for the show for Franklin and Bash. And um, so, yeah, that was a new adventure to do a one-hour and, and have that whole new experience as was doing, you brought up the Blake Shelton Christmas special, you know. I was like, this weird thing fell on my lap. Do you want to come work with Blake Shelton? And he's going to do a bunch of sketches on his... Uh, and I said, God, yeah, I kind of miss doing sketches. And
0: Did you have any input in the writing for like the sketches or
1: no uh God, i'm blanking on their names right now but they do key and peel they're brilliant the the two head writers of that show i can't believe i'm blanking on their name right now but um no they wrote the sketches and, and when i read them i immediately thought i wanted to, i i i the the opening sketch i had some input in because i wanted to do uh, i wanted him to do like he's doing a christmas video that keeps getting interrupted so we would do some of it was like um you felt like you were watching an actual christmas video and some of it was behind the scenes you know so um and we got you know thomas london to come play the director and it was just a blast and blake is hilarious and so it was really fun i was having this great time where i was going to do like a network show like uh how to live with your parents and then i was doing a christmas special and then i was doing a one hour and you know suddenly it felt like oh wow i'm really getting to work on lots of different interesting things and then uh uh Rob and Charlie and Glenn on It's Always Sunny asked me to come back for Another the last season. season which was amazing and we directed I, I got to do some episodes that I think are some of the best things I've worked on
0: I have to start it's so funny I watched that I have the first like two seasons on TV Dave, mm-hmm. and I watched it before DeVito was on and it just made me laugh and then I I didn't I didn't see it for a while? It's just so weird because when I was going back and forth from back east my girlfriend from back there, so for a year and a half I was going back and you missed the nice and she didn't watch it, so she didn't DVR it. Right. And now I know I have FXX, but I have no idea where it is. It's so funny. I mean, I, I, I knew it, we were I'm in like,
1: trouble because people would say to me, "Hey, what channel is FXX?" And I'm like, "I direct the show, and I don't know."
0: I'm, I mean, I'm looking at, and it's not like they say, it's not like it's not like FX says, "Hey, you know, you think they would have a charter commercial going?" Hey, you know, if yeah. you like FX, Check. So I have to look at my list, but then it's like. Oh, God, I God, I hate to go down to the 800s. Sure, you know? sure. And it's sort of weird because they took it. I heard Legits on that, which also is an excellent funny, show. Yeah. And it just – it must be weird because it, it is had weird. a good following too.
1: Yeah. I mean it's actually surprising how many – I mean a, a lot of people still found the show. And then because the deal that they have with Comedy Central, they run they run like the season pretty quickly after it's okay. done on FXX. So, you know um, – I, I, it's funny I get a lot of love for the episodes I directed about six months later because that's when a lot of people rediscovered right. on Comedy Central um, when they rerun them
0: now you have a New Girl coming up
1: yeah just a new girl now
0: how did that how did that come up just you know what, word of mouth about s- you uh,
1: no I, I don't think it was I think they have their no, I don't think it was like, oh, we got to get Richie. I think we, I, I, between myself and my agents and I think we all just worked really hard cuz that's that's a show I really really wanted to do. I was really I was really lucky this fall I got to work on a handful of shows that were just really unique and special and
0: What made you want to do it? Just the the, the cast, the set cuz it's a very, once again it's a very funny show. It's very well written yeah. and and the cast is just so likable cuz they're all so different and they're all so quirky and it's sort of almost like they're not, it's like Seinfeld, like Seinfeld, they were just jerks. But these people actually, you know, she's great, and you know, but Schmidt's a jerk. And in the, 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 the uh, African American guy, he's just clueless, and yeah, the other guy's just a loser. But it's but you like them.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, there just weren't a lot of network sitcoms that were making me laugh and that I wanted to watch every, you know, I like Parks and Rec I loved, and New Girl I loved, and Happy Endings was a show I loved. I loved that show. And um, so when I sort of sat down, When I sort of sat down to like make my goals for the next year, one of my goals was to do that show because I just I really like it. The same way I wanted to do It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It was just a show that I'm a fan of. So, uh, you know, through a lot of just meetings and follow up and uh, you know a little luck, uh, they gave me a shot, and I yeah I I got to direct that. That was like at the very end of this. I literally finished editing that like two weeks ago
0: because okay, so you do the editing too after you direct it you go I editing. do
1: my cut and then uh, then like Liz, Merriweather and the showrunners uh, Dave and Brett they go finish it and do their cut and, and it'll air I think the second week in January
0: And so you have that now, now what's Mixology?
1: Mixology a, is a show I love I did two episodes of it's going to be on after Modern Family I think in January it's the guys who wrote The Hangover um, Lucas and Moore and um it's a really cool concept and uh, show. It's it's basically the whole season is one night in a nightclub, and it's tw- uh, ten single people uh, and them all meeting. And each episode is basically twenty two minutes of of that night. Um, and there's a lot of sort of flashbacks, so you can learn about them and where they came from and you know all that. But it's a really unique concept, and I, I you know, uh, John and Scott, the writers, I thought were just such interesting, great guys, and and uh, a really interesting cast a lot of discoveries i think were made in the cast uh sort of you know people you've seen work but not any like big big names and i loved i, I had a great time on that show i was really really lucky that they had me
0: isn't it weird though like you direct them <laughs> and they don't come out till january oh yeah i mean it's gotta be like okay i was just working and anyone you know thinks like you know probably people you know who aren't in the business well you you know you're directing uh, this. You know. When's it on? You're like, right. What the hell's it doing on the January? I mean, it's- but you know,
1: it's fun because I get to have the fun of doing the job, and I get to like celebrate the the fun of making it. And then I don't know whether it's a month later, like with New Girl, or three months later, like with these other shows. It, I get to re celebrate it all over again because like, oh wow, people are going to see it. So I, you know, I get to re celebrate that I got got to make this this great show. So.
0: No, we. Were, I want because we have about five minutes yeah. left. I want to get it to the ESPN. Now, how did yeah. that come out? This did that come about because you were fanboy and you became a director? No, they no. knew you Or I mean, cause... what
1: happened with the Thirty for Thirty was a, a, a producer named uh, named Mike Tolan who's made a whole bunch yeah. of great stuff. And Tolan
0: he's... or not? he was with Dennis Leary, right? No, no, no. That's,
1: that's Peter, Peter Tolan. Tolan. Okay, that, right. another great Tolan. Oh, Mike,
0: is that is that Tolan and Robbins? Yes, okay. yes,
1: and and they've gone their separate ways. But Mike, Mike, uh, who, who's I just think the nicest guy and has made so many, you know starting, you know, made our lists and he made a bunch of movies and, and, um, and, and, uh, is really into sports. Um, you know, he made varsity blues and, and, you know, a bunch of other sports related movies. And he got asked by ESPN to make two 30 for 30 shorts that had maybe more of a quirky or comedic bend to them. And it came to me with one of the, one of the two and said, are you interested in this? I have to confess I like sports. I'm not a huge sports fan. So I actually didn't even know what he was talking about when he first No, because
0: I was gonna ask you you said it's about Tommy John. Did you even know what Tommy John's surgery was? I had no idea. Okay. I'm so
1: embarrassed to tell you that. But in a way I kept joking to everyone, I'm like, I'm like the um, uh, who's the guy who did the ice storm and Brokeback mountain? Uh, oh,
0: I, I can't think of but yeah. It's... I'm
1: like I'm like that dude. I'm like I'm like I'm coming to this like I don't know anything. Um and, and in some ways that made it I think the pro it, it became a really interesting I think documentary because I was asked I, I asked every question you could ask and I explored it in a way that maybe you can only explore if you didn't know a lot about it uh, I mean i had heard of Tommy John surgery it's not that I you know I watch. I, I watched the Cubs and I watch baseball I didn't really know that it was such a revolutionary procedure okay. and, and all that so uh, yeah he came to me and, and we n- none of us were really making much money doing it and we just had a blast I mean we put it together it's a short i mean it's you know 10 or 15 minutes long we put it it took us almost a year to do it cuz we would sort of i'd go do a project and mike would be doing a project and then i'd fly to texas to go interview a pitching coach and then we'd go work on something else and i'd go down to dodger stadium to interview some pitch you know okay. some pitchers who were in town and and so the great thing about that project it was such like a zen experience because um it taught me that like uh as much as you want to plan for what you think it's going to be, the story sort of unfolded in front of me. I, we thought it was going to, we kind of thought the story was going to be one thing. And as we got going, it sort of became something else. And it became a little less of a comedy and more of a a heartwarming buddy story. Um, so uh, I, I just had a great time on that and learned a lot about putting a story together from the ground up. And um, I'm really proud of it. What is it called? It's called Tommy and Frank. Okay, and it's you know it's on it's on like ESPN.com and it's on my website uh, RichieKeen.com and um, I think it's it, you know it's floating around I think a couple other sites online but it, you know it was I'm really really proud of it we got great feedback and and most importantly honestly I really felt a responsibility to Tommy John and Frank Job the surgeon to get the story right and to to paint. You know, I, I was so happy that they were happy. Okay, because uh, yeah, it's someone, it's
0: real people. It's like yeah. before you're doing comedy and sitcoms, it doesn't make. I mean, yeah. you want to do a good job, but this is like this is that's their us. lives, this yeah. is
1: their story. I mean, we told, the, you know, people know what the surgery is, and, they, and some people know who the doctor is, but like you know, this is the first time we really told their story and said this is how they met, and this is how it went down, and this is what the risk was, and and this is where it's gone from there. And uh, it's funny how many pitchers I interviewed who didn't really know. Where it came from. Exactly, yeah. Because uh,
0: some of them are so yeah. young. It's like now, because the kids, I mean, you have like 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds get it. They're like, damn, they don't even know who Tommy John oh, is. Oh, yeah,
1: they thought he was a doctor. Right. <laughs> no, no, he's the pitcher who had it done on him. Yeah.
0: Are you still writing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, I, luckily, I got super busy in the last you know six months with directing, thankfully. But uh, I am writing, uh, 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 I'm specking something right now with with my partner, just writing it you know off off the books, away from everyone, and uh we'll you know we'll we'll see what happens with that
0: and sirens before we go oh, yeah. sirens oh, that's coming up that's a that'll be a half on hour, hour
1: that's a half hour that's the thing that Dennis Leary right. and Bob Fisher wrote. I think it's a really fun show for u s a it's uh their first half hour comedy um at least in a long time, and uh, it's it's about uh, ambulance drivers. You know, Dennis is such a blue collar guy, and you know, with 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 Rescue Me, and Love you know, that he, had, show. he had the job about cops, and
0: that was a really good show too. Yeah. I, that, that's one You can get that on uh, Netflix, and I used to watch it when I'd fly back. I get I'd be in the airport, and I would watch it because it's so funny. Yeah, and this so has that flavor. Okay, was, and Bill Nunn's also in. Um, that. Oh, Bill's Both. Bill Nunn's great. Uh, he's, he's Radio Raheem. Oh, he's I mean, just <laughs>
1: gold. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really that that was an, another show where I felt like. I got to collaborate with with someone like Bob and and Dennis, who's great, and I really feel like they made some discoveries with their cast and, uh, you know, hopefully be a part of something special and new on USA.
0: Anything else coming up besides that? Just uh, I'm going to go
1: do Raising Hope in January,
0: uh,
1: which I'm excited about. And and then I think I'm going to go back uh, to Franklin and Bash for an episode. See, that's
0: good. So people like your work, so they're bringing you back.
1: Or they're just desperate and everyone <laughs> else said no. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about it. Raising
0: that. Hope, it's like, I feel bad for that. I've, not, I've seen it once or twice. It's pretty good, but they always change the time. They always And I it's hate that. It's such a
1: great show. It kills it when they change the time. I love that show. And, they yeah, they just keep moving it around. I mean, you're that, like, well, I want to see that's it. That's what I mean? happened, it happened with Happy Endings when we were talking about that. You, know, they, you move it around and people don't... Sucks. Find it, yeah.
0: I, mean, I want to thank you for coming on, Rich. Oh, it was a great talk. A blast. Thanks um, so much. Give your info real quick
1: my info website oh, my, if you want to call me yeah. no, uh, no. my website's uh richiekeen.com and if k-e-e-n you to, yeah if you want to see my stuff that's that's where it's at
0: cool i want to thank you uh, people also follow me on twitter at cooper at cooper also go to my website coopertalk.net um if you go to coopertalk.podbean forward slash mobile forward slash you can get the cooper Talk app for your iphone and it will be in the google play store very soon Also, uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, just type in Cooper Talk one word, and it'll pop up, and there's about 210 episodes up there. And then guests coming up in the next few weeks, we have Zach Ward from A Christmas Story, Mr. Belding, Dennis Haskins, very funny comic, Greg Burns. So keep... Keep sending me messages. I have uh, some good guests getting lined up for next year, and so have a have a wonderful holiday. You know, I'm, I'm oh, pre-recording. my Twitter thing? Yeah, Twitter real oh, quick
1: at Richie Queen
0: at Richie Queen. Yeah. So hit up at Richie Keene. Yeah. Hit me up at Cooper Talk. You guys have a great day. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests.